Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester Podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by principal analyst Jennifer Bellasant to discuss the importance of data literacy in the enterprise. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we have a lot of research around customer obsession and there is a very close link of customer obsession to being insights driven as an enterprise. Today, we know that only 15% of firms are customer obsessed. So what does that tell us about how insights driven companies are? Actually, we're finding that even fewer are insights driven. It's something that companies are really having a hard time getting to today. In our insights driven maturity model, fewer than 10% of mm-hmm. firms are exhibiting those best practices of being insights driven. And we know that companies want to be insights driven. About 85% of the respondents in our business technographic surveys tell us they, they want to improve their use of data insights in their business decision making. But about 91% of them tell us that they find it really challenging to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, they're, they're having trouble getting there. In fact, in this survey, we find that fewer than half of decisions made are based on uh, quantitative information as opposed to gut experience or opinion. Um, and, and that's just evidence that it's, it's really hard to get people to change their habits and change the way that they're making business decisions today. Is it that it's hard to get people to change or that they don't have the data or is it both? It's a little bit of all of the above. It's not that they don't want to change, but they're struggling to change. We know that companies do want to elevate their data insights to a, to a strategic level, using them to know their customers better and improve that customer experience to be customer obsessed. But we, we've defined four pillars that, that they need to support that insights-driven strategy. It's the people, process, data, and technology. And we find that people focus a lot on the technology. There's a lot of talk about building a data lake and getting their data house in order. So it's the data and the technology. And they spend a lot less time thinking about the people and the processes. What does that mean in real terms, though? Is that training? Is that documentation? Providing tools? So there are a couple of elements. One is that we're expecting people to make decisions based on data, but we're not necessarily teaching them how to do that. What does it mean to be able to make data-driven decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, the other is that we we are hearing a lot of, about literacy today, mm. um, but people are confused about what kind what literacy is, what 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 it means. Um, we hear some people talk kind of equate digital literacy and data literacy. Mm. Um, but they're not the same things. Uh, millennials can be digital, you know, digitally literate, digitally savvy. They know how to. They spend all day long on a cell phone, or they know how to use particular apps. But that doesn't necessarily they mean they know how to use data. They don't know how to recognize data, evaluate data, work with data, communicate with data, mm-hmm. um, and and they don't necessarily know how to apply it in particular business decisions. Before we dive into that, because it's a fascinating term for it, and also I assume there's lots of organizations out there that help with uh, data literacy, I would imagine there's also a pairing with a culture of using data in a company. So it's from the individual all the way to the company level of, do people show up with data? Are they expected to show up with data? Or is it a culture of making decisions by gut? Because I see that a lot in firms that we, we talk to, you know, that it's more about 
the whole decision-making process is slightly flawed behind data versus just the individuals not knowing what to do with it. There is, for most people, a lack of a culture around making decisions based on data. There is much more of a culture of making decisions based on gut. But increasingly, we've seen companies start to expose their data. To use the term that I don't really like very much, they're democratizing data. They're Mm. trying to get data out there. Now, that might be a good first step, but many companies get kind of wrapped up in that. We call that companies that are data aware. Uh, they're, They're spending a lot of time exposing that data, providing these tools and, and, and dashboards and reports, but they're not necessarily following through to make sure that the, the data that is, becomes insights, becomes actions, and delivers the outcomes that are going to drive the value that people want. So that's where we see the system broken, is getting from data to insights to actions to ultimately to those those business outcomes and, and value. Is there an understanding that that's the expectation of being insights-driven? Because I feel like just publishing a dashboard for some, maybe like, oh, I'm using data, I'm being, you know, data driven. But that's clearly not what we're saying here is being insights driven. Right. When we talk about being insights driven, it's using the, the data. It's it's elevating the insights from the data and using them to create differentiation and then using that differentiation or uh, that differentiation is their competitive their competitive advantage in the market. So they're using it to drive some sort of business outcome that they're going to be able to say, look, this is our differentiation. And going back to the the culture point, Carrie, that you were making, is this also tied to leadership, meaning that there has to be like a chief data officer in place for something like this to happen? Or is that not a thing anymore? Oh, it absolutely is a thing. We see a high correlation with, um, of, with in companies who have data or insights leadership, whatever they call it, whether it's right. a chief data officer, a chief analytics officer, a chief insights officer, a CD, AIO, whatever, <laughs> whatever they want to call it today. Um, but there's a high correlation between those companies that have that data and analytics leadership, that insights leadership, and those that are insights driven. Um, more of the companies that have these insights leaders are setting up centers of excellence. More of them are putting in place these kinds of programs to help drive analytics and and insights into processes, decision-making, anything that would deliver those, those, those outcomes. What percentage of companies have that kind of role? I was under the impression that it was dying off, but it could be completely unfounded. So it's interesting, actually, um, I spend, I mostly look at the chief data officers mm-hmm. and this year in our, well, in our 2019 um, business technographic survey, 58% of firms now say that they've got a chief data officer. Oh, that's high. And what's interesting there is over the past few years, it's kind of held steady at about f- mm. 50%. Last year, 2018, it was, it was 51%. Um, and this year we saw a big jump. I mean, that is a pretty significant jump yeah, from 51% points, to, yeah. to, to 58%. Um, we're also seeing a rise in the number that have a, a chief analytics officer as well. Sometimes they're one in the same, sometimes they're different. Um, but we're not seeing it die off. We're actually seeing it become pretty pretty widespread. I wonder if, to your point earlier, companies have invested in a lot of data technology and they're not seeing returns, so they're realizing that they need a person to shepherd this through mm-hmm. the organization. 
it's definitely something we've seen yeah. is that their companies have spent a lot of time and a lot of money building out a data lake, uh, trying to get their data house in order, investing in data governance, investing in master data management. And they've kind of taken a backwards approach. They, they've invested all of this and now they say, well, where are the outcomes? Where's the value from it? But then they have to go back and define the use cases. What do you actually want to do with this data? I mean, I often say, you know, data plus use equals value. Um, and actually, I love this quote by Thomas Anderson, the value of an idea lies in the using of it. And that really is what we're talking about with data. If we're not using it, we're not deriving any value. So putting it all in a data lake is nice. Um, and ultimately, that's where people want to get. They want to make that data easy to, to access, more accessible. But if they don't know upfront what they're going to do with it, then they're going to be frustrated once they get the technical house in order. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk to companies about becoming insights driven, it needs, it starts with having a, a data strategy. And I, I hesitate there because I've, I have said there's no such thing as a data strategy. Data strategy has to reflect the business strategy. What you're going to do with the data has to reflect what you want to do with your business. And so the use cases that you identify have to reflect those, those business, business goals. It, it makes sense. Um, so one of the things we spend time talking to our, our clients about is how to identify what those use cases are. And when we talk to a new chief data officer will tell them to go on a listening tour, go around and see what's keeping your, your business partners up at night. And it's not asking them what data, you know, what data do you need? What dashboards right. do you need? It's asking them about their business in the business context. What's keeping you up at night? What's worrying you? What questions do you have about your business? And that's what helps to identify the different use cases that they can then and need to then prioritize based on all of the business objectives in the company. And once they've done that, then they know which data that they need, which data that they can populate into the data lake, uh, what tools they might need to invest in. And it's by doing it that way that they can actually start to deliver incremental value and not find themselves at the end of the day having made a massive investment and of both time and and uh, and and in technology money yep. um, without having any business value to show for it. And how does the data literacy piece plug in there? Very good question. So data literacy, um, you know, I, I talked about how we define data literacy. Um, to me, it, it really starts with recognizing what is data today. It's about creating a program that touches everybody in the organization. Um, a lot of data literacy programs might focus on the experts and teaching them about how to use the tools, um, about how to new, do visualizations or how to use new features on some of the, the, the tools that they already have. But one of the things that we found in talking to companies who are going through this kind of digital transformation is, um, is that there are concerns about the data quality that they have. And one of the stories that I really like is I was talking to someone from a food services management company and they were telling me about the, when they first started to go through this, their digital transformation, they were exploring the, the data that they had. And they found in one of their cafeterias, 
the breakfast foods that were served, they found that over time they were starting to sell more sausages, breakfast sausages. And this was at a cafeteria in France. They weren't selling, it got to the point where they weren't selling any croissants or anything that you'd expect people to be eating, um, but it was breakfast sausages. And when they actually went in to investigate what was going on, turns out they had cash registers that had buttons for different items. And the cashiers were just pressing the easiest button to press to move move people through the line quickly. And it just so happened that that was breakfast sausages. So if they had made their inventory decisions based on the data that they were seeing, people would end up coming to the cafeteria and not seeing anything (laughs) but breakfast sausages because that's what the data was telling them. But they knew that it was wrong. So that gives us a couple of lessons. One, you have to have the humans in there to take a look at the data and see if it even makes sense. But two, data literacy programs need to start with awareness. And that cashier, it wasn't malicious on her or his part, um, but they didn't realize that by pressing the sausage button, they were capturing data. Mm-hmm. So if if someone in an organization doesn't recognize that they have a role in capturing data, they're not going to pay the same attention uh, as they would if they did. And so when we talk about data literacy programs, it's our ACEs program. Mm-hmm. It starts with awareness and then there's comprehension and then there's expertise and then there's scale. Um, and that awareness piece is really it covers everybody in the organization. It teaches them what is data? What's my role with regard to data? Mm-hmm. What value does data bring to the organization? And 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 how can I play a part? Your sausages example <laughs> is very illustrative in thinking about the challenges of training that level of, you know, employee in an organization. Right. How have you seen companies do that? What kind of advice do you give them to do that? When you're talking about a frontline workforce like that, which is really different, right, than an um, office worker or maybe somebody who can um, see other folks using more data, a cashier level person seems like a whole different challenge. It's about creating that culture that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It might be part of training. Mm-hmm. It might be part of onboarding. But it's also part of uh, management, and that that first line managerial role of it, it's part of everything. It's part of recognizing that everyone has a part in the organization. Um, we've not just seen this. I have another example beyond just the sausage example. <laughs> <laughs> so I've also heard that this a similar story from um, a large wireless carrier where they they say many of their subscribers are brought on board in retail outlets and malls that are um, where they've got lots of teenagers working after school who don't necessarily think that the data that they're collecting from somebody when they come in to buy a subscription or a SIM card is a customer record. But yet that is the start of a customer record. And that data is then going to be used later to know the customer. And if that data hasn't been captured correctly, it's going to cause problems down the line. Um, So it's, again, it's part of creating that culture and a a part of of training everyone in the organization. Mm -hmm. So as I said, we we start with that awareness piece. The second piece um, I call comprehension. It's really about understanding. It's about, um, again, and we talked about how do we get people to make decisions based on data, but they need to know how to make those decisions based on data. They know they need to know how to interpret the data that they're getting there. They've been given how to interpret that a dashboard or, or mm-hmm. a report. They also need to understand 
to make them comfortable with the data and the insights, they need to understand the underlying analytic model. And I don't mean making a data mm. scientist out of everyone, but there's a certain logic with an underlying and with an analytics model that you can explain to somebody how you've gotten there. And that's, we talk about explainable AI. Well, explainable analytics, explainable AI means being able to, to help someone who needs to make a decision based on that or put a, an AI model into a process. It's about helping them understand where it comes from. And so that comprehension is just that. How do we get somebody comfortable to the fa- to the level where they're okay embedding it into a process or they're, they're able to make a decision based on it? Mm-hmm. So it's about teaching them how to ask the right questions. You know, what's the underlying analytic model or where did the data come from? Is it representative? Where did we get it? They need to know that and they need to have answers to that in order for them to feel comfortable. Um, and then the the next level is the experts. You know, it's the expertise. So we obviously do want to keep you know, the data scientists and the business analysts on the cutting edge and, and give them the latest tools and, and techniques to use. Um, and the S is actually using those experts and anyone else in the organization to create scale. Mm. And so it's hel- ha- helping having the experts help others um, understand um, and and helping using them to help build this insights driven culture. And so we've seen lots of best practices in terms of creating communities of interest and, and finding friendlies across organizations and starting to evangelize the use of data and analytics. One of the things that I've heard from people is that there are people coming out of university or coming out of school who have had some statistics or analytics or they have, they have touched on it, but they don't know how to do it in a job. Mm. in a work environment. So bringing them into this community of data and analytics is, is, is building upon that core that you might have with your data experts and creating more of a, a, a community or a culture of, of, of being insights driven. Mm-hmm. So best practices around you know, lunch and learns or um, other types of activities to, to keep people interested in, and to, to get people involved. Is this something that people can lean into or do you need to roll out a big bang program or how how does one go from not having a data literacy program or being insights driven to starting that process? What does that look like? It it helps to have data leadership, um, but it needs to come from both directions. Mm. Um, So we've seen it start more as a grassroots where the, the data net, the people, the data and analytics teams are excited about their work and they want to share their work. And so they start to evangelize and they start to have office hours and they start to bring people into the fold. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also seen more of a top down where an insights leader will initiate a program where they want to create training programs and they want to get people more, they, they want to provide these kinds of, they, they want to provide a, a comprehensive data literacy program, but it really is a combination of both. Um, and it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about a, having a comprehensive data literacy program, but it's not usually a big bang. It's usually starting with a team of people who then 
connect with others within the organization. Ideally, um, if there are different data and analytics teams across silos or across business units, they'd start to come together and share best practices and then work out from there. Yeah. what That was going to be one of my questions in terms of is it a requirement to break down silos first or have a more matrixed or integrated data team or data set for this to actually even work? The the model that we talk a lot about is the hub and spoke model, where there is a core team um, that coordinates certain activities, mm-hmm. not necessarily all activities. Um, but if there's a data leader and they put together a, a, a core team, um, that team might manage some of the overarching policies, maybe the governance, uh, may, may manage a, a data catalog and try to bring in the data assets from across the organization, encourage data sharing, encourage best practice sharing. But inevitably, there in a larger organization, there are going to be pockets of business analysts and data scientists across other, other uh, in, in these spokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the project level, the projects typically happen within a spoke. Um, because that's where that, those are closer to the business. Um, and so, but we see them relying on, often relying on some of the capabilities um, that are more at the center. So we, we, there, there, there's no one size fits all in terms of organization. There's a, a central team or a coordinated team at the, in the hub, there's spokes, and then there's a lot of gray area in between. Mm-hmm. But with a data literacy program, having that core team really drive a, a program and, and focus on getting it into, maybe getting it into HR so that it can be integrated into an onboarding process, um, really putting it into goal and metrics so that there are the incentive structures in place so that people actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a one a once and done. It's something that really needs to be continuous. Well, tying back to your point, Jen, about customer obsession at the beginning of the podcast, it feels like a fairly easy win to at least start sort of pumping into an organization data about customers that's valuable to the company's goals and moving forward and having better customer experiences. I mean, all companies are focused on this right now. Why not start there? Start right. with the customer. Right. Some basic information about customers that will motivate people in the organization to know more. Absolutely. I mean, one of the be- one of the places to start is maybe with a you know with a sales team, helping them know what kind of customers they work best with. Um, th- so there's a lot. You know, we we talk a lot about. Um, uh, next best offer, thinking about the customer and what will they buy next. But one of the things that I've seen recently is really looking at the salespeople and who do they connect with best. And so analyzing those relationships. So it's not just about which product, but which customers work better with which salespeople. So ultimately what you're then giving to the salesperson is um, not only is this customer interested in the product that you're selling, but they're the kind of people that you work better with. And so it's really helping them do their job better. Mm-hmm. And But you need to teach them, you know, getting back to the data literacy element, if you're going to be giving a salesperson a list of prioritized prospects, you need to have them understand where those priorities, where that prioritization come from and really understand what's under it so that they trust it and they can act better on it. So we talked about often firms prioritize the tech, mm-hmm. collecting the data, 
But isn't that necessary for some of these other things to cascade or mm. can they be doing the people process components of being insights driven at the same time that they're getting their data house in order and getting the tech, the right tech in place? Absolutely. I, I think it needs to happen. It, it needs to happen somewhat simultaneously. Okay. Um, you can spend years getting your data house in order and building out the technology to drive value into the organization. But what you need to what, what's best to do is identify a, a projects in order to prioritize where you go first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it can happen at the same time. You, you know, often you might ha- already have an existing set of business analysts or data scientists or somebody who's working on the data. So you can do some incremental value generation and then scale it as you go. You did some really interesting research with employees at companies that use data or don't use data. Can you just talk a little bit about it? Because you unearthed some really interesting things. So when I started this research on data literacy, I was really interested in what kinds of training people wanted to see, what what kinds of training people would identify as being most useful for them. So I went to our Consumer Voices online panel and I asked three questions. The first was what I thought was just going to be a screener. Do you work with data? The second was um, how comfortable are you using data? And the third was what type of training would you be interested in to improve your ability to use data? And actually, the first question stopped me cold. (laughs) That was the one that I found most interesting, the one that I really thought was my 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 screener, because I got answers like I don't work with data. My group doesn't do anything with numbers. I don't do calculations. I don't work with data. Hmm. I I work on I capture I I monitor I manage my projects in a spreadsheet but I don't do data. And that's really where I came. I began to understand that awareness was the first step that, that people don't get that they're working with data every day. They don't understand that the email that they send is data, that the document they're working on, that the spreadsheet that they're working on, or that they themselves are data. They walk into the office, they badge themselves in, boom, they're a data point they're in the office. Um, And so that's really where, that's how the framework that starts with awareness really took root. So the other side of that is I also got people who said that they do work with data, um, but one of the biggest concerns they had with working with data was the quality of data. And many said that they didn't trust the data because of potential for human error. They didn't trust the data because of inattention. And that again points to this question of, is that human error because people don't really realize that they're capturing data? So Jennifer, we covered a lot of ground here, but where do you see this going in 2020 and beyond? And specifically, how might this be impacting the employee experience? We talked a lot about the customer experience, but I think it'd be an important kind of note to end on as as how does data literacy or being insights driven impact employees as well? Absolutely. Like you said, we, you know, we've talked, we talk a lot about the customer experience and, and we recognize though that employee experience can be a big part of that customer experience, having employees who are really dedicated and driven and, and, and comfortable and confident in doing their jobs. Um, and so at Forrester, we just published an employee bill of rights and data literacy isn't currently one of them, but I, I can see it being an amendment to the bill of rights because it's really important that we've got data literacy for all. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.